You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Little fellow, you must have given up the hope of living. Uh-uh. On the contrary, I do not let the word death bother me. Same here, baby. Then what are you waiting for? Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and today uh, marks a special occasion. If you heard that opening, you remember that it is from Game of Death, one of our favorite formats, and it's gone through a little bit of a change, which we will get to in just one moment. But, uh, you know, in the age of reboots, remakes, prequels, sequels, and reimaginings, uh, we've been planning this one for quite some time. And uh, before we introduce our illustrious guest and our dapper host, let me introduce my co-hosts who are coming through my headphones and are totally real and not just voices in my head. Um, so we'll start with Matt. How are you doing, Matt? Um, on the mend. I'm doing better. Yeah, you weren't feeling too well. You were pretty sick uh, for a couple of days. Yeah, lack of antibodies led to a little bit of coronavirus, but I'm doing I'm doing a little better. <laughs> it's... Yeah, so so glad to hear you've uh, you've recovered, Matt. Yeah, it's good. It's good to be around. I didn't know that it had made its way over to robots, so <laughs> yeah, jumped another species. I didn't download the newest uh, Norton antivirus. Is my problem? You always have to update. I know you got to. You get those updates. You got to click it, right? Is that that's yeah. that's your lesson? Is anytime you're on the computer, anytime <laughs> a, a link comes and says click, we were supposed to click it, right? Click anything. Yep, that's how you do it. And uh, Jeff and Ken, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. I'm glad to be uh, bringing the game of death back into the the mix. It's always been fun. Feels like it's been, it's got to be at least a year now, right? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, a year or more. I mean, uh, the Pagoda uh, had to go through some renovations. I think we've uh, we've cleaned it up. It, it's a new coat of paint. I think it looks good. Nice. We better, better have a very special guest for this one then. Oh, we definitely do. Uh, and uh, for all of our listeners here, you probably uh, know the great products that he puts out every week. Uh, if you don't, uh, he will surely uh, in- invite you to uh, to listen to them and let you know more about them. But uh, that is uh, our friend Jonathan Oakes from uh, the Oakes Media Group. How's it going, Jonathan? Hey, man. How are you? I am fantastic right now. We're doing well. Uh, super excited to have you here. We've been uh, planning this for a long time. Just, uh, uh, you know, happy to, to get it going. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, took this long, but we're just we're super excited that you're here. Well, once once Matt ended up on death's door with the coronavirus, <laughs> I, I know that that motivated everybody to get this done just in case. 
<laughs> That's a good point. A very good point. Uh, it's our insurance policy. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, I uh, I run the Oaks Media Group. We are responsible for shows like Trivial Warfare, Trivial Warfare Blitz, things that are blank, and foreplay. These are all either trivia games or game show podcasts that you can find anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So we uh, we try and change things up and introduce new things all the time. You know, my favorite thing right now is actually TikTok. Mm-hmm. I've started something called the Trivial Warfare Challenge on TikTok, little one-minute games. I'm going to be recording some of those later tonight. Those are super fun. Now, how long before you start doing the dances? I, you know, it's a really good question. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It took about a week for me to get addicted to TikTok. And I mean, like, I'm checking it five, six, seven, 20 times a day. Wow. Uh, it's just so much fun. I know Neil's no stranger to TikTok, right? Yeah, I was doing some research into TikTok and I was like, oh, I'm never really going to, you know, get into this. And then like Jonathan said, if, you know, the next day it was, you know, an hour and then the next day and the day after that. Now I'm like in a <laughs> rabbit hole. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jonathan, uh, TikTok has been fun, uh, sort of uncharted territory, and it's it's moving rapidly um, throughout culture. So it's it's pretty crazy. I'm I'm definitely excited to be there. I'm looking forward to adding some trivia there because it seems like there's a, a lack right now. I agree. Uh, and uh, speaking of lack of trivia, uh, one place that you will uh, not have trouble finding it currently is online in a streaming format, and uh, we're very excited to have uh, host our game of death today uh, be our friend uh, Jason Borsom of Liquid Courage, as I say. Uh, but if you want to find him on Twitch, it's uh, twitch.com slash liquid underscore courage, uh, spelled with a K. And uh, he's really um, adapted to the new format of streaming uh, quite well. We've enjoyed his streams. We've appeared on them uh, and we, we tune in as much as we can. But uh, welcome, Jason. Hey, guys, how are we doing today? Good. It's daytime. It's weird uh, being with you at the day and daytime. I mean, I, I have no concept of like circadian rhythm anymore because I effectively live in my basement now in front of this giant uh, TV display in front of me and a green screen behind me. I think I have a family upstairs somewhere that I never see anymore because uh, like you said, I've done my best to kind of transition live pub trivia into the online space. So I'm streaming basically seven nights a week right now, which is super impressive. Uh, we've we've tuned in to some music rounds, uh, some of your traditional format, even a triviality format. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And you've had a great response, I think, with a, a lot of people participating, right? Uh, we're doing okay. I, I certainly can't complain about the people that have stopped in and seem to enjoy themselves in there. Uh, coming off the heels of like Geek Bowl and the big meetup that the big trivia community had back in March has really helped kind of spread the knowledge of what I'm doing in the online space. So we're getting people from the West Coast, from the East Coast, a couple people from the UK and beyond uh, into our streams every night. It's really kind of awesome. That's great. Uh, and um, as I said before, people can find you at uh, twitch.com slash liquid underscore courage uh, with a K. Uh, and we hope that you continue to uh, spread those trivia droplets as far as you can. Um, so today uh, is Game of Death, as we said. It's going to be a little bit different. We wanted to change the format uh, when Jonathan came on, uh, so that way it could be updated a little bit, um, have it be a little bit more challenging, a little more entertaining. And I'm going to throw it to Matt because he came oh, up with the new... Oh, great. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry. It's more challenging for us, So, um, which, oh, is, okay. which is always a good thing. But Matt, uh, you came up with the new See, rules. You say that. I had to write this. Oh, that's true. Good point. <laughs> Yeah, well, the way the game of death used to work was Jonathan would face um, three of us and then have a round of his choosing. Um, in the new format, he will be facing all four of us one-on-one um, in our specialty, but he got to choose his own category and the person he'd like to face um, to kind of balance it out. 
the swing rounds will go where Jonathan will face two of us, um, where his points will be doubled. Uh, Ten points apiece for him, five for us. And then in the final round, he will face the two people that he didn't choose for the swing round. Um, Otherwise, it's basically a triviality game. So, you know, 20 questions, 10 points apiece with a wager at the end for the final. Great. Uh, Well, uh, I'm sure it's going to be like every other triviality game with a few embarrassing answers and uh, and missed misheard questions and whatnot but uh, uh jeff ken matt are you ready i am ready a couple a couple days ago jason asked me uh what categories you know i was uh, interested in and the answer as usual was uh potpourri when i was trying to pick who to go who to pick to pull out of their category i'm like okay so what exactly is ken's category <laughs> and jason's like man i don't know yeah. i don't i don't <laughs> I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to do with that? I know my notepad as I was prepping this game had like Matt and Neil and then just Ken stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So to be clear then, Jason, all of the questions for Ken versus Jonathan are going to be about scented bowls and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it's exclusively tattoos and anime. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, you nailed it then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so screwed. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, are you uh, ready to go? I'm ready. Let's do it. Cool. So, uh, Jason, I'm going to throw the keys to you. Feel free to take over. All right. So, Jonathan, we have rounds uh, prepared for each of our po- four hosts. Uh, first and foremost, who uh, would you like to take out of their comfort zone and uh, face in a round of your choosing? I am taking Mr. Jeff out of his comfort zone. <laughs> It honestly, it came down to Jeff or Ken. I figured, I figured Matt's going to be sportsy kind of stuff. And I feel like I'll do fine there. And I figured that Neil's going to be movie pop culture stuff. And I'm okay there going up on, on, uh, geography, science type stuff against Jeff. I'm like, he's probably better than I am at that category in a pretty big way. So (laughs) let's, let's pull him out. So you heard him, Jeff. Uh, Jonathan has a round of his own theming uh, coming for you after halftime. But for now, let's get into the first half. Jonathan, you can choose to start uh, going against Matt in sports, Neil in entertainment, or Ken in whatever Ken knows. (laughs) Let's go ahead and start with sports. We're going to start with sports. All right, Matt, are you ready to step to the plate? I'm ready. All right, so Matt and Jonathan, your first question in sports If the 2020 Olympics happens in like 2021 or whenever, they're expected to have seven distinct events classified as combat sports. I need you to name five of those events. Okay, I I think I can lock in. I'm pretty sure we have boxing and wrestling. I feel like there is judo in the Olympics I don't know if fencing counts as combat, but I believe fencing is an Olympic sport. So, so far, those are the four that I've got, and I'm trying to figure out what other... Blood sport. I know, right? Like, man, have they have they made biathlon more of a, a t- <laughs> more aggressive than in the past? You know, I'm, I mean, I'm leaning towards something like karate or... Yeah, I'm just going to go with karate. So karate, judo, wrestling, boxing, and fencing are my five. All right, Jonathan, uh, Matt, representing Triviality, what did you say? Okay, so 
boxing, wrestling, and judo, I'm 100% sure on. Um, the other one, I remember Ronda Rousey getting a medal. So I'm assuming that mixed martial arts is also um, a category. And then I think I also remember seeing sumo wrestling at one of the previous Olympics. So that's going to be my five is boxing, wrestling, judo, MMA, and sumo. All right, guys. Well, we have points on the board. Congratulations to Jonathan for striking oh. first. Uh, you actually almost unintentionally named six of the seven different combat sports because uh, freestyle wrestling and Greco-Roman wrestling are distinct events at the Olympics. But even combining those, you were able to knock out uh, boxing, judo, uh, fencing and karate, which is scheduled to begin Olympic play in 2020 or 2021 or whatever. Uh, Taekwondo, I think, is the one that got missed across the board. Gotcha. Yeah, I believe Ronda Rousey won her medal for judo. I thought yeah, so, too. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And is Greco-Roman, is that clothed or unclothed, Jason? Uh, I think in the modern era, thankfully, it is clothed. Okay, noted. <laughs> I mean, speak for yourself. I think if you donate enough on Patreon, they will take their clothes off. Is how that works. <laughs> that's usually how that works, right? That, that's our policy too, right, guys? Yeah. Oh wait, I was supposed to wear clothes for this. <laughs> no, I actually have a Patreon tier that prevents me from taking my clothes off. <laughs> they pay me to keep my clothes on. It is. It works wonderfully. I got a tip on Twitch. Uh, I kid you not. Four days ago that somebody said, please put your shirt back on for everybody. <laughs> so I understand your pain all too well there, Jonathan. You guys ready for question two? <laughs> yes. Yep. All right. And a quick shout out to Footnote Trivia in San Francisco. Help me uh, write this question. Uh, what term, meaning unassisted or by oneself, can also describe former MLB pitcher Jim Abbott and NFL cornerback Shaquem Griffin? Uh, I am locked in. This is a person that has one arm, because Jim Abbott has one arm. Um, but I don't know of a word that would... I'm just going to say one-armed man, because I don't know. All right, Jonathan, what did you end up going with? I said single-handed. And that would be it. Oh. Points to Jonathan. Single-handed. Jim Abbott uh, yeah. has both arms, but doesn't have, uh, I believe it was his right hand. Uh, very notable MLP pitcher. And, of course, uh, the recent addition to the NFL, Shaquem Griffin, also born without uh, one of his hands. I just saw a video of Jim Abbott getting a hit. It was pretty amazing. Whoa. He had two in his career, I believe. That is an elite athlete right there. Yep. No doubt. All right, guys. So question three. In December of 2015, what eight-word phrase was approved as a registered trademark made famous about 11 months earlier through being repeated over 20 times in a five-minute period? Uh, I can well, lock in. I think it might just be the word Omaha repeated eight times. Omaha! Omaha! That was Peyton Manning during the Super Bowl, and it's going to be February 6th. 11 months before December, it's probably the Super Bowl. Timing feels right, but that's not an eight-word phrase. It's just a one-word repeated eight times. Eight-word phrase. It's no way that it's Omaha. But I got nothing better, so I'm going to say Omaha, 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 <laughs> and wait for it, Omaha. Mm. 
Um, yeah, no, this is something that I say um, whenever I actually show up for recordings. Um, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Oh, yeah, we're going to give that to you, Matt. It's not a exactly verbatim but 10 points to you uh it's richard sherman who of course uh, was notoriously uh anti doing press conferences especially in the super bowl where they uh lost to the patriots back in 26 15 forgive me uh it was his phrase i'm just here so i won't get fined okay and now Good we can job. sell it on t-shirts for like 35 bucks a pop there you go and skittles wrappers oh no it's marshawn lynch did i misspeak i'm sorry yeah you had said richard sherman yeah, I found differing sources said he said it somewhere between 20 times and 27 times in four and a half to five minutes in that press oh. briefing. Um, it, the dude's going to get paid for it, though. Good on him. All right. Question four. What team in the four major pro sports leagues had an alternate uniform or jersey logo from 1999 to 2007 that gave birth to the unfortunate team nickname, the Flaming Snot Donkeys? <laughs> Their words, not mine. How did you find out my high school nickname, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll lock in with a guess. Um. All right. A logo with fire because it's flaming. Okay, so the Calgary Flames would have flames. <laughs> I don't feel. You know what? Let me narrow it down. I feel like it is going to be probably NHL because feel like I would have heard of a flaming snot donkey in baseball or football back then when I was watching both sports regularly. Might as well go with that. I'm going to say the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I quickly came to the NHL because I do feel like if it was one of the other sports, I would have heard of it. NHL is kind of the sport that I follow the least. And this was really before the the Blackhawks were really good. So I wasn't paying attention as much because I'm a bandwagon fan there. And, uh, yeah, I said uh, Calgary Flames. All right. Well, you live together and you score together. Nice job. It is the Calgary Flames <laughs> oh, of the wow. NHL. Why? Probably <laughs> because of the uh, the rodeo they have in Calgary. Oh, that does. Oh, make that makes sense. a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, if you want to spice up your love life, you try the uh, flaming snot donkey in the bedroom. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> now okay. I see. I see the flaming snot part of this now. Yeah, yep. that logo. I don't know. They're more like the flaming snot thoroughbreds. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're. It's not quite know. a donkey. Yeah, it's not a donkey. That donkey. artwork. The artwork looks like it belongs on an Uncle Cracker album. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. <laughs> I think we can move on. All right. So to close out sports, guys, question five. And knowing me like some of you do, you know, I've got to throw one in about curling since it's the sport of kings. <sighs> All right. So here's your question about curling. What term describing something found in track and field also describes the advantage in curling of shooting the last rock in an end? Well, I'm going to lock in again because I don't know and I have a guess. And so far I have... Discus, shot put, javelin, um, whatever that word I can't read is. Oh, hurdle, pole, vault, mm-hmm. uh, bar, pad, ground, track. Um, a javelin sounds like a missile. I'm going <laughs> to guess javelin. That's funny. You named all those things, and my guess was something you didn't say, and I 
I remember the hammer toss or hammer throw. I Ooh. think the last one might be a hammer. So That's I said a nice hammer. And uh, Matt's pulling it into a tie with you, Jonathan. <laughs> Ten <laughs> points it. on that one. Yep. If you're ever watching curling on like Curling Night in America on NBC Friday nights, there's a little hammer <laughs> icon they put up on the uh, scoring display to signify which team shoots the last rock in the end because uh, in a game like curling, having the last shot is definitely advantageous. Man. I love some curling. Good stuff. It's very entertaining. I thought I, I, thought I was too legit to quit, but apparently I'm not. <laughs> I remember we were enjoying some uh, Olympic curling when we were in Boston for Geek Bowl, guys. Yeah, we were riveted by it. I, and I feel like out of yeah. all four of us, I think Jeff, I don't know why, I just feel like Jeff would be a good curler. I'm not sure why. Like a broomsman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely can't be trusted with throwing anything. <laughs> You guys want to know the biggest heartbreaking thing about this uh, quarantine situation for me personally? Mm. I was supposed to go curling with my wife as a birthday gift yesterday. Oh. And that has been indefinitely postponed. So bucket list item not ticked off yet. I'll tell you what. I will mail you a Swiffer and a Roomba. And you can just do it at home. <laughs> All right, so coming after our first round, it is indeed a tie. Jonathan and the Triviality Boys, both with 30 points on the board. Uh, Jonathan, you can choose to go up against Neil next in entertainment or Ken in whatever the hell Ken knows. I'm going to take my lumps now and say whatever the hell Ken knows. <laughs> All right, we're going right, to need a Ken ready. for this round. You're good. I literally could be 0 for 5 in this round. It is a distinct possibility. So so could I, Jonathan. <laughs> 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 that would be worse than me going over five for what it's worth so let's see what happens uh question one in ken stuff accounting for over 90 percent of the total population according to 2006 data what three religious affiliations dominate the nation of japan okay i'm gonna lock in ken in with some japanese knowledge jonathan feel free to uh talk it out if you need well the two largest world religions, to my knowledge, would be Islam and Christian, but I'm sure that's not going to be right. Uh, the two that I'm guessing immediately are Buddhism and Shinto. After that, is it Islam or is it Christianity? I'm going to guess Christianity. So Christianity, Buddhism, and Shinto. I agree with uh, Jonathan about Shintoism and Buddhism being one and two, and um there was a lot of uh, Christian imports um, that they tried to stomp out, uh, but uh, I think Christian hung in there at number three. Yeah, both of you went Shinto, Buddhism, and Christianity, and both of you are on the board in this round with 10 wow. points. Um, I'm relieved, now, the, quite, the, quite frankly. <laughs> me too. Uh, a lot of people in Japan claim to not have a religious affiliation in general, but they do practice uh, basically a folk form of Shinto. Combining both like folk and organized Shintoism in Japan, that's probably a good 60% of the populace right there. Mm. All right, question two. And this question was inspired by the fact that I've been waiting about five years to play the Final Fantasy VII remake, and I have to wait a little bit longer because I'm on this podcast instead. So, Final Fantasy VII Sorry, features... <laughs> It's all good. It really isn't. It's all good. Final Fantasy VII features a unique, playable character named Red Thirteen, who, if he were to appear in the Kingdom Hearts franchise, would most likely be found in the world of what Disney film based on his appearance? Uh, I'm going to assume that this is what you're looking for. 
I'm going to argue the hell out of it if it's wrong. I'm locked in. All right, Jonathan, I can't wait to hear what that argument might be. But, uh, Ken, <laughs> the mic is yours if you need it. Yeah, so I know exactly who Red 13 is. Kind of like um, a dog kind of character. He's got a, He's red, got a long tail. So I'm trying to think what Disney film you might be referring to, or at least lions. He's kind of a lion. Uh, I, I guess, or hyena, hyena maybe. All right, I guess I'll go Lion King with that. All right, Ken, Jonathan, did you follow suit or did you go a different direction? I mean, I knew he was a dog. It was either going to be 101 Dalmatians or Lady and the Tramp. I went Lady and the Tramp. Uh, sure. So points are going to go to both of you because uh, while my research indicated that uh, Red 13 species, according to the fandom, is most similar to a lion, uh, you can definitely argue that it is also akin to a wolf-like species. So going in the dog direction, I cannot tell you you're wrong. Points are going to go to both of you for that one. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I, does, I, I appreciate your generosity there. On, I'm looking at one of the one of the things on Google. I just googled is Red Thirteen a dog, and it says at one point the original Final Fantasy VII he is referred to as a dog by a little girl in Costa del Sol. Official sources say Red Thirteen is feline, but he yelps like a dog. Yeah, <laughs> and he uh, so he howls knows? he howls at the moon at in one point after you go through the Cosmo Canyon. So I mean true. I could see that too. Wait, yeah. Kramer has his own canyon. <laughs> <laughs> We I'm just waiting for Wanda Canyon. I'm playing it right now. Just uh, I'm at the wall market. It's going well. And to be fair uh, to Ken as well, I mean, if you listen to the, the beginning episodes of our show, he also thought Godzilla was a dog. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, so question three here in Ken's stuff. Lincoln Cathedral has one. Salisbury Cathedral has another. And the only other two still around are found in the British Library. What the heck am I talking about? I'm just going to tap out, I guess. I, don't, I have no idea. I'll say uh, Gargoyles. I, I can tell you that I have a copy of Gargoyles downstairs. I'm sure it's not that exclusive. <laughs> now it is on <laughs> Disney <laughs> Plus as well. <laughs> um, the two... I, I imagine we're talking about a book. The two books that I have in mind right now are Gutenberg Bible and the Book of Kells. <sighs> Oh, maybe uh, I'm going to guess copies of the Magna Carta. Uh, points to Jonathan. It is oh, the uh, the four job. extant copies of the original Magna Carta. Wow. Wow. Four of them still in existence. The British Library has two. The other two are located at a couple different cathedrals in England. Cool. All right. So question four is going to ask you to do just a little bit of math, guys. What number do you get when you add up? The number of Gabriel Garcia Marquez's years of solitude, James Fry's little pieces, and Nathaniel Hawthorne's houses, Gables. Okay, I'm going to lock in. It's 100 years of solitude. It's the house of the seven Gables. And it's that damn Oprah book club book that I can never remember. I think it's a million little pieces. I hope it's a million little pieces. You said we have to add it together. I'm going to say 1,107,000. All right, Ken, uh, where did your math lead you? Exactly to the same place. Well, good job. Ten points to both of you. Uh, like I said, a very little bit of math there because it's 100 years of solitude. Uh, Jeff was showing off his copy of it during the question here in our uh, chat. Uh, James Fry, of course, known for Oprah's Book Club as the author of A Million Little Pieces. And Nathaniel Hawthorne, uh, one of his best-known works was The House of the Seven Gables. So good job to both of you. 
Uh, now, James Fry, also a part of Oprah's cry club because she made him cry like a little baby for lying. <laughs> Which I think is the better club to be in, frankly. I agree. I mean, Stedman is the charter member of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To put a pin on uh, Ken questions, number five here. The McElhenney Company, based in Avery Island, Louisiana, is most famous for what product? which gets its name in a roundabout way from a state in Mexico. I'm going to lock in. I think I can lock in. Yeah. Oh, that so was I nice and quick uh, on both sides. Tabasco sauce. I said Tabasco sauce. And Tabasco it is. Good job, guys. Uh, Tabasco sauce gets its name from the Tabasco pepper, which is cultivated primarily in, you guessed it, Tabasco, Mexico. So not too bad, uh, Jonathan. We both that okay. was a much better round than I anticipated. <laughs> yeah, you can't do better than perfect there, Jonathan. You hit all five in Ken's stuff, bringing your score uh, up to 80 points to 70. All right, so uh, I think I'll give you guys a, a vague explanation of the topic before Jonathan uh, selects which two of you he wants to face off head-to-head against. Sound good? Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I give you just enough rope to hang yourself with in this game. All right, so the topic for this week's swing round, at least vaguely speaking, is inconceivable trivia facts. And uh, to piggyback on what Matt said in the beginning of the game, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, uh, Jonathan will pick two of us to face here in the swing round, and then those two will be out of contention to um, for the final. For the correct. final, so it's it's kind of a strategic uh, move here to pick who he thinks is going to be good at this and who he does or does not want to face in the final, right? Mm-hmm. On the off chance that inconceivable refers to um the princess bride and movies i'm going to avoid neil in this round uh and i'm gonna go with jeff and matt Ooh, if it's movies that's a problem <laughs> for us <laughs> jeff and matt you are on the block as it were the uh, theme for our swing round is again an inconceivable round of trivia facts because what I've done is taken uh, 10 of Wallace Shawn's most notable lines from his role as Vizzini in The Princess Bride and replaced one or more words with a trivia clue. Um, I will let you know specifically what part I've replaced. All you have to do is basically answer that clue with the word that completes the actual line from the film. That's cool. All right, so how does scoring work for the swing round? Remind me and uh, the listeners, if you would. Um, so Jonathan's, because he's faced by himself, are going to be worth 10 points apiece, and ours are going to be worth five. All right, so big opportunity for Jonathan here. Uh, I'm just going to go through these one by one, give you uh, the full read, and give you guys a couple minutes to lock in your answers, and then we'll go over the results. Sounds good. All right, so number one in our swing round. When I found you, you were so slobbering drunk, you couldn't buy the singing Norwood. The trivia clue in there is the singing Norwood. Number two, friendless, brainless, helpless, hopeless. Do you want me to send you back to where you were, unemployed, in the home of the largest national park in the world? And the trivia clue is the home of the largest national park in the world. Number three, of all the notably copper-adorned Burmese Cayenne tribe's body parts on this boat, Highness, the one you should be worrying about is your own. And the trivia clue is notably copper-adorned Burmese Cayenne tribe's body parts. Number four, probably some local fishermen out for a pleasure cruise at night through Anago-infested waters. And the clue here is simply Anago. Number five, whoever he is, he's too late. See, 
the first word of the instrumental song that won Eric Johnson a Grammy in 1992 of Insanity. The clue being first word of the instrumental song that won Eric Johnson a Grammy in 1992. Finally, at least I know one, Matt. (laughs) All right, number six. You were supposed to be this mutated alter ego of Peter Rasputin. You were this great legendary thing, and yet he gains. The clue being mutated alter ego of Peter Rasputin. Number seven. Catch up when he's dead. If he falls, fine. If not, the code word for the easternmost landing site of Operation Neptune. And the clue being code word for the easternmost landing site of Operation Neptune. Number eight. Pick up one of those rocks. Get behind the city where the buffaloes roam in the NCAA. In a few minutes, the man in black will come running around the bend. The minute his head is in view, hit it with the rock. The clue being city where buffaloes roam in the NCAA. Number nine, let me put it this way. Have you ever heard of Aristocles, his famous student, his famous teacher? Uh, This one will actually have three answers, and the clue is Aristocles, his famous student, his famous teacher. And number 10, the most famous is never get involved in a land war in a supergroup combining King Crimson, yes, the Buggles, and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. But only slightly less well-known is this, Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Your clue being a supergroup combining King Crimson, yes, the Buggles, and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. All right, so we're going to think those over and we'll be right back with the answers. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. All right, guys, so you've had a couple minutes to kind of chew these over. We'll go over them again uh, one by one and see what you guys had to say to replace the trivial clue to complete the quote. You guys ready? Yes, sir. All right, I assume the triviality guys are ready. Too. Oh, yes, I am also ready. Locked in, ready to go. That's how, that's how locked in we are. Yeah, can we keep that awkward pause in for sure? <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right, so number one. When I found you, you were so slobbering drunk, you couldn't buy the singing Norwood. Who is the singing Norwood. 
if you if you guys don't mind, I'll go first on this one mm-hmm. because out of all of them, this is the one I didn't know. I felt really good about all the rest of them, but this one, I have, I I remember the line. You couldn't buy something. I said beer. I have no idea what the singing Norwood is. Well, if you remember, this is, he was a kicker for the Bills. It was Scott Norwood. No, it was um, <laughs> See, Richie. no, I thought about Scott Norwood. If that was it, I would have been fine. <laughs> no, this is uh, Moesha herself, Brandy Norwood. Uh, Brandy is the answer. Brandy. Yep, the full quote is, when I found you, you were so slobbering drunk, you couldn't buy Brandy. I'm going to need you to do these in a Wallace Shawn imitation, Jason. I'm going to uh, need you to not ask me to do that because I come cannot on, pull man. off an effective Wallace Shawn. Come on. Neil, right. you got a Wallace Shawn in you? I don't, I don't know if I have a good one. I mean, I, <laughs> okay. I, I don't. Well, don't. I cannot do this man justice, but I can <laughs> gonna, try you know just what? one for you. I'll try one, too. I'll try one if you try one, okay? All right. All right. Let me see if I can uh, channel him for this next one. Friendless, brainless, helpless, hopeless. You want me to send you back to where you were, unemployed, in the home of the largest national park in the world? I think it's Greenland. Uh, we also said Greenland. Crap. Yep. The home of the largest national park of the world, uh, as maintained by Denmark, is on the island of Greenland. Good job. It's most of the northern part of the island. <laughs> all right. That wall of Sean was terrible, so I think that's all you're going to get out of here. That was not terrible. That was pretty was good. so awful. That was it was good enough so we never have to do it again. Oh. <laughs> Overruled. <laughs> all right. Number three. Of all the notably copper-adorned Burmese Cayenne tribe's body parts on this boat, Highness, the one you should be worrying about is your own. What is that body part? I debated between necks and throats, but I settled on necks. Um, yeah, we said uh, necks. Yep, the Burmese Cayenne tribe are notable for using the uh, copper rings to elongate their necks. Good job, guys. A lot of necking going on in here. <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard it was to find a trivia fact where the answer was necks, plural? That's why you should be listening to the uh, Dracula trivia show. It's all about necks. I, I looked at this one uh, on my sheet for about 30 minutes before I finally landed a, a topic that I could write necks about. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, let's go to the next question. Oh. <laughs> all right, number four. Probably some local fishermen out for a pleasure cruise at night through Inago-infested waters. What is Inago? I said eel. I believe these are also eels. The shrieking the, eels. Indeed, one of the two uh, types of eel that are commonly used in sushi preparation, unagi and anago. Number five, whoever he is, he's too late. See, the first word of the instrumental song that won Eric Johnson a Grammy in 1992 of Insanity. Uh, I said cliffs, cliffs of insanity. Mm-hmm. This is uh, one of my favorite Guitar Hero songs, uh, Cliffs of Dover. Uh, we said cliffs. Yep, those would be the famed Cliffs of Insanity in the Princess Bride world. Good job to both of you. As we're uh, looking pretty good so far. Number Not six. For us, were... He gets double points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fair. <laughs> I, I didn't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number six. You were supposed to be this mutated alter ego of Peter Rasputin. You were this great legendary thing, and yet he gains. What's Who's the my ego fan over there? Oh, I know this one. Yeah. Oh, I said Colossus. Yeah, Colossus. Yeah, he was talking to Andre the Giant's character. You were supposed to be this Colossus, this great legendary thing. Yep. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, number seven, catch up when he's dead. If he falls, fine. 
If not, the code word for the easternmost landing site of Operation Neptune. What's that code word? I'm going to do him left-handed. I said the sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff knew this one was the sword. Good job to both of you. Of the uh, five landing sites in D-Day, sword was the easternmost. And he was referring to Inigo Montoya uh, discussing how to dispatch the man in black in that scene. Number eight. Pick up one of those rocks. Get behind the city where the buffaloes roam in the NCAA. In a few minutes, the man in black will come running around the bend. The minute his head is in view, hit it with the rock. Where did the buffaloes roam? I didn't get it from the sports. I got it from the quote, get behind the boulder. Yep, home of the Colorado buffalo, it's boulder. Yep, as he's telling Andre the Giants character Fezzik to hide behind a boulder. Number nine, and this one might trip you guys up. We'll find out. Let me put it this way. Have you heard of Aristocles, his famous student, his famous teacher? Who are those three people in order? Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, morons. Uh, I'll let Jeff answer this one. Yeah, that would only be fair considering my undergrad degree is uh, in philosophy. But yes, we said uh, Plato, whose student was Aristotle. Plato's teacher was Socrates. So Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates. Yep, Jonathan had a great read on that. Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, morons. Morons. And your 10th and final inconceivable trivia fact, and I'd be surprised if this one is a miss because it's one of his best-known lines. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in a supergroup combining King Crimson, yes, the Buggles, and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. But only slightly less well-known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. I said Asia. We also said Asia. Oh, I'm glad you guys didn't answer in the heat of the moment because it is Asia. Congratulations <laughs> to both of you. Uh, the Triviality Boys hitting the clean sweep there in the nice swing job. round, picking up 50 points. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news for them is that even though Jonathan had one miss in that round, his points were doubled, and he picked up an additional 90, making Ooh. the score going into the second half. Jonathan with 170 points. Triviality sitting at 120. So we should uh, probably jump into the second half here. Neil, are you ready to uh, take the mantle on and face Jonathan in some entertainment trivia? I'm oiled up and uh, put on a Speedo because I'm out of underwear, so I'm ready to go. Oh, thank we God. We specifically this is a video requested call. that you not do that. I mean, and you did it anyways. <laughs> I wanted to be slippery, uh, both uh, hypothetically and uh, literally as well. All right, guys, let's jump in with some entertainment. Your first question. Lena Katina and Julia Volkova are known to international music fans as what music act whose name supposedly means that this girl loves that girl. I know this one. Well, great. It's Neil's turn though. I know. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I'm going to get there. Um, and uh, I think my reference is too old, but I'm just going to lock in. All right, Jonathan, All the right. onus is so, on you then. Hey, well, it's not a very good onus though. Volkova means it's likely Russian. And there are these two Russian women who have a band I became aware of it four or five years ago, and I just can't think of their name. Isn't it uh, Bewitched with the asterisk or whatever? Say <laughs> <laughs> lovey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I'm going to guess a wrong answer of Riot Girls. Yeah, um, I uh, I didn't know. I, I just the first group that literally came to my head um, that kind of sounded like those names was uh, I believe it's all the things she said, all the things she said. That I think it's tattoo. So I just put tattoo. 
Oh, oh my God, that's right. God, that's yeah, right. You got it for ten points. <laughs> I probably should have uh, told you guys in advance this question was originally in Ken stuff because it was about tattoo. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. I wondered if that got moved. Yeah, it absolutely did. Yeah, I thought I, I did. such a goon. I thought my reference was like you know way too early, and this was like a more modern. Like I was thinking Pussy Riot to be honest, but it's not. Uh, that's it, even older. Well, see, I don't even know, so that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's the only group I know that has two girl singers. So it was a very important video for fifteen-year-old Matt. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Yeah, the big internet rumor around that band at the time was that they were uh, they were lovers. So yeah. the reference to the name "This Girl Loves That Girl" was semi-intentional by their producer. Oh, I always thought they were sisters, so that that's, that definitely changes that's, things. That's a classic. Nope. Neil is like, I have no idea. I'm going to get this rug, and that says the right answer. <laughs> I I have no. I just that's the only thing that came to my head, and I was like, it can't mean I love you, but whatever. I'll I'll say it. All right, moving on to number two in uh, entertainment. Major Boothroyd is a film character that's appeared in about two dozen different feature films. Though you probably better know the character by what briefer title? I'm going to lock in. Oh sh- shoot. For something to be two dozen films, okay, it's either Marvel Cinematic Universe or James Bond. So it's probably James Bond. And we all know how much I love James Bond. Is it M or Q? I don't know. I think those are both the names of characters. I think M is the boss lady and Q is the scientist guy. I'm going to go with this. I'm going to say Q. All right, Neil, which way did you go on this one? Yeah, I think if I would have gotten this one wrong, uh, the guys would have been angry because uh, every time we're at Jason's trivia, uh, more is a... You write all of the canonical films down in order? Yeah, just to kind of keep my brain. That's the way I, I work out my brain before we start. So uh, I went with uh, his trusty friend, Q. Oh, thank Jesus. <laughs> yep, that's points all around for Major Boothroyd, the quartermaster, uh, often simply referred to by the letter Q. Question three. Despite his name, Frank Beard is a clean-shaven man that's performed as a drummer across six decades, starting his professional career in 1969 and continuing into the 2020s as a core member of what band? I'm locked in. Okay, let me think. I am a drummer, um, so I love drummers, uh, drummer history. So I'm trying to go through. Just so you know, Neil, the the collective uh, triviality is just shaking their heads at you right now. <laughs> I know. I think all three of us know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was probably not paying attention, to be fully honest. Um, let's see. Any of the eight times we've answered it. <laughs> so probably something that would be on like not really MTV, more rockish, Tom Petty. Eagles type stuff, uh, American Americana, uh, Frank Beard, Frank Beard. Oh, oh, um, yeah, that's right, that's right. Because I always, yeah, you guys always talk about how ZZ Top they all wear the, they all have beards, but the dude's last name is Beard, who's the drummer. <laughs> and I don't, I don't even know if he has a beard, but I think it's ZZ Top. So that's what I'm gonna lock in with. <laughs> all right, Jonathan, let's see if you followed suit on that. Ha 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 ha! I said ZZ Top. Whew. Yeah, good job to both of you. It is uh, one of those like trivial chestnut facts that every member of ZZ Top has a beard except for their drummer, who is named Frank Beard. I believe that ZZ Top for Canadian fans. All right, question four. Let's do it. All right. Lorenzo Music 
was a voice actor who's probably best recognized for voicing two characters during the 80s on animated television. Now, both of those characters were coincidentally portrayed by Bill Murray in films. I need you to name those two characters. You could have put this in my round, in my wheelhouse. Uh, one of them comes really fast, I think, but the other one... Yeah, I think I'm right there with you on probably what your first instinct is, and I'm trying to think of the yeah. other one. I'm not a Bill Murray guy either. I'm an anti-Bill Murray guy. Oh, wow. You're yeah. the guy. Yeah, You're no, the I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm just dropping bombs here on this one. He's Everyone. not my cup of tea. Yeah, the, I think I have one of them for sure. And I just, I, the other one, I'm trying to go through his filmography, and I, I think I'm overlooking the uh, the famous animated cartoon from the 80s, Lost in Translation. But right? um, <laughs> The kids really didn't like it for some reason. <laughs> So while you guys are thinking about this question, um, so I've kind of been watching a lot of movies during this uh, lockdown uh, time period. Today I watched uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner for the first time. Oh. And it really wasn't the mystery film that I thought it was going to be. They pretty much tell you who's coming to dinner in the first five minutes. So. <laughs> I was just going to ask, did you guess correctly? It's just very disappointing to me. <laughs> I, I, I only think I got half of it, but I'm going to lock in. So one of them is going to be Ghostbusters. Peter Venkman is Bill Murray in Ghostbusters, and the Ghostbusters had a cartoon that lasted for a while. I ended up going the Bill Murray route, and the only filming I, Meatballs, I don't know his character's name. Stripes, I don't know his character's name. I don't think it's Caddyshack. I don't think there's a Caddyshack cartoon. I ended up with What About Bob and uh, Groundhog's Day, and I'm hoping that there was a Groundhog's Day cartoon. I said Phil from Groundhog's Day. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I was in the same uh, train of thought as Jonathan uh, right away. Uh, I was a huge fan of the Ghostbusters cartoon. I had all the toys, so I put Peter Venkman. And I thought maybe going through all his films, um, you know, from old Bill Murray movies when he started doing a little more artsy things um, to the, the OG Bill Murray, uh, as Jonathan mentioned, Stripes, all that stuff. Um, I thought maybe it was a trick question, and uh, the only thing I could think of that would have been a cartoon in the 80s that could have been live action would have been when he himself voiced Garfield, so I said Garfield as a guest. <laughs> oh my God, Deal. He got it right, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Oh. Good job, Neil. <laughs> Ten points to you. So the only reason Bill Murray took that role was because it was it was written by Joel Cohen, who he thought was one of the Cohen brothers, and he thought it was going to be a Cohen brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a real story. And that's why that's why he ended up voicing uh, Garfield. That is really good. Wow. But the but the Cohen was like missing the H or had yeah, the H or it something. had it, it had the H. It was it was not he was not related. A very it's different movie. Are you gonna swing by? I have sisters. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. ex, it's especially in, uh... surprising in that Garfield movie when uh, Garfield kills Odie with the cattle gun. <laughs> <laughs> they they sound exactly the same though. Like if you go through the the cartoon and Bill Murray, like it's pretty much the same voice. It sounds like and he's so doing... do I. <laughs> there you go all right let's go ahead and put a pin in uh, entertainment here and end with question five it's quite an accomplishment on the old resume to be listed as both a member of the dirty dozen and this magnificent seven what actor can make that lofty claim i'm locked in i've of never seen either movie no idea at all i will guess Probably in neither of these movies. I'll guess Jack Palance. Ooh, number one guy. So, so Neil, 
Neil, I, uh, I actually uh, watched both of these movies earlier this year. So I just want to know, hey, Neil, got some cookies? How about some cookies? You too, Timon, gutless mother of a canary. I just made that up. It's not a real line. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I believe it would be uh, Charles Bronson. Oh. Yep, and points to Neil on that. Charles Bronson, uh, the only person to be in both The Dirty Dozen and The Magnificent Seven, or at least to be a title member of both of those films. So coming out of entertainment, uh, Triviality really starting to catch up here. Uh, Neil hit the perfect 50 points there and has brought you guys up to 170, which tied Jonathan, except for the 20 points he picked up in entertainment. So it is a 20-point lead separating Jonathan at 190 from Triviality at 170. Going in, finally. As always, Neil being the overachiever. God, (laughs) man, that was was brutal. Oh, jeez. I, I, I got lucky there a few times, so it was, that was a hard round. All right, so I think we're ready to uh, finally get into Jonathan's wheelhouse. Jeff, are you ready? As ready as I'm going to be. All right, Jonathan, would you like to spoil the uh, topic of our fourth round tonight? Uh, I was going to go one of two ways. I was either going to do presidents or I was going to do baseball. Oh, no. We're doing baseball. <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that. Yeah, we are talking baseball, Jeff. I was giving you you. presidents, Jeff. If I had chosen presidents, it would have been somebody else. All right, so uh, Jonathan's theme of choice for this final round is baseball. Jeff, uh, tap the cleats and get into the box. It's time to go. All right, question one. Since this is a podcast, I'll let you know spelling doesn't count. What baseball Hall of Famer tied Brooks Robinson's record in 1983 when he became the second and to date only other player in MLB history to play a record 23 seasons with a single MLB franchise. I'm not 100% sure it's right, but I'm going to lock in. Yeah, I know this one. Yeah, that's a shame because there's no way I'm going to know this. So I'm not going to sit here for an hour and try and figure it out. So I will uh, I will have to tap shamefully in front of Matt. Hmm. Surprisingly, so that's the, our first tap out of the game. But uh, Jonathan, who do you think it is? So the I think the spelling doesn't count was a big clue there. I went with um, Yastrzemski. Yes, Queen. Yep, and it was a clue. I was hoping to give Jeff a fighting chance on that one. Carl Yastrzemski spent his entire 23-year career in the majors as a member of the Red Sox. Yeah, and you, you and your freaking Red Sox, man. You had to throw a Red Sox question in, of course. <laughs> All right, question two, guys. 1938 saw an accomplishment that's never been duplicated in the majors. It took four days in June for Reds player Johnny Vandermeer to accomplish what spectacular feat? I'm locked in. Did you say this was Sting? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got no idea. All right, so is that another tap out for you, Jeff? Yeah, unfortunately. All right, so uh, Jeff batting 0 for 2 so far. Jonathan, can you uh, pick up 10 more points on this? I'm pretty sure that he threw back-to-back no-hitters. I'm pretty sure you just picked up 10 points. He is the only player in Major League history to pitch consecutive no-hitters. Oh, wow. Uh, One on June 11th, I believe, 1938, and then his next appearance four days later, uh, back at the time of the four-man rotation. That's impressive. All right, I'm going to warn you both now on question three. This is a hypothetical situation uh, kind of question, and... In the event nobody gets it exactly right, I will award points to the player whose uh, answer is most accurate. Oh, okay. All right, so here's your hypothetical situation, guys. 
The first three players scheduled to bat this inning in order are Larry, Moe, and Curly. Larry reaches on a walk, and Curly, being a dumbass, walks into the batter's box instead of Moe and sees a called strike. The other manager then lets the umpire know that Curly is batting out of order. What I want to know is, at that point, what happens to Larry, Moe, and Curly? They meet the mummy. (laughs) 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 All right, I'm going to go ahead and lock in. Yeah, I've got a... I've got a guess. Well, if you're I've both wrong, it. it comes down to whoever's closer. So, uh, Jeff, let's start with you just to change the pace up. Okay, so Larry, I don't think anything happens to Larry on base. Uh, I think the batter that jumps him uh, just gets called out, and then they resume play. That would be my guess. I think I've got where you're going with that. Jonathan? So I said Larry stays on first, Moe is called out, and Curly remains at bat. All right, so interestingly um, – I, I could have Neil kind of jump in, but those to me sound like effectively identical answers. Yeah, they sound That's the same. That's what I took from it too. They are identically partially correct. You will both pick up the 10 points. All right. Um, on this one. So, Jeff, you're off the schneid. Uh, you were both Ooh. correct. Larry would stay on first base according to Major League rules. Now, where it gets interesting is that Mo would immediately take the batter's box with the 0 1 count inherited from Curly, who uh, just goes back to the dugout and waits his turn. Hmm. really yep wow wow um yeah that's what happens when a uh, a batter is still in the batter's box when the umpire gets the notification from the other manager that they are batting out of order it gets more complicated after play has concluded for that mm. batter but uh yeah in that situation mo would inherit the 0-1 count curly would go back to the dugout wow the rules okay. of the game are simple <laughs> except they're not mm-hmm. uh number four Jonathan Colton fans like me might know this geographically named former MLB commissioner who's memorialized in the name of the award given to each league's regular season MVP. I'm locked in. I think he's a singer, but I don't even know that for sure. So, uh, yeah, baseball. Jonathan picked my worst sport. So this is a good call on him. Uh Jonathan's doing a victory dance over there in his chair. (laughs) I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, I've got no idea. I can think of a bunch of football and hockey awards, but I, yeah, I just don't follow baseball. All right. So that's a tap out again. Yep. All right. Jonathan, who do you have for me? Uh, I went with Kennesaw mountain Landis. Yeah. And Ken, you're ready with the bleep button, right? Yep. Cool. Because Jonathan Colton sings that Kennesaw mountain Landis was a bad (laughs) is he uh the person who does that funny cover of baby got back uh among other things yeah he's the guy who's probably most famous for uh inventing the glee ripoff version of baby got back that's that's awesome 10 points to jonathan on that and for the clean sweep number five morgana roberts first became notorious in 1969 but spent 21 years serving in a sense as baseball's unofficial mascot what is she best remembered for doing, which first involved Pete Rose? I'm locked in. Um, if it first involved Pete Rose, I'm assuming it was uh, cheating and then not being nominated to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, getting, getting Tombstone Pile Drive by Kane. <laughs> <laughs> she was the gobbledygooker. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I don't know this name at all. Um, that's the only Pete Rose no, uh, reference I know. So uh, I was to say she uh, she was cheating on something. Don't know what, but 
Okay. Sports betting. There we go. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, what do you have? She was known as the kissing bandit, and she would run onto the field of play and kiss players. So she ran out and kissed Pete Rose. Yeah. Starting in 1969, she kissed at least two dozen uh, professional baseball players and players in other sports, uh, notably on the cheek. But a couple players uh, got her back and kissed her back. She spent 21 years as the kissing bandit. Good job to Jonathan on the clean uh, sweep in that round. No, no kissing bandits in uh, podcasting, though, yet, at least. All right. So moving <laughs> into the final round, your recap. Uh, Jonathan doing very well in this game has accrued 240 points that he has available to wager in our final round. Uh, Ken, Matt, Neil and Jeff, collectively, you have put 180 points on the board so you can both Fortunately, bet the maximum here in our final round. Uh, who is Jonathan facing off against in this final round again? Ken and, Ken Neil. and Neil. Ken and Neil. Yep. So Jonathan, Ken, and Neil, uh, we'll give you your five categories. These may or may not suit one of you more than they'll suit the others. Um, but get your wagers down, zero to 30 points on each of these five topics. And they are trivial warfare, blitz, Foreplay, things that are blank, and talking fat. Oh my god! <laughs> that way it, it rubs it in if I get I am it wrong. Not a kiss ass. I uh, I can tell you that Ken should go all in on foreplay. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't. I lo- all of us should go all in on foreplay, gentlemen. <laughs> That's true. Doctor's Words orders. <laughs> All right, so it looks like the wagers are in, and I will spoil it in advance for our listeners. Both Triviality and Jonathan have decided to go 20 points across the board. Uh, So every question is going to be a 20-point swing for each of them. Are you guys ready for your final round? I am ready. Yep. I'm hopeful. All right, question one in the final round. The category is Trivial Warfare. What sultanate, now part of a modern-day country that partially bears its name, is forever known to trivia nerds as the losers of the shortest recorded war in all of human history. For comparison's sake, this podcast episode is longer than that entire war was. All right, number two, the category is Blitz. The Blitz was portrayed on How I Met Your Mother by actor Jorge Garcia, who's better known for playing Jerry Ortega on Hawaii Five-0, as well as Hugo Reyes, on what TV series that ran from 2004 to 2010? You may not know the character as Hugo, but rather by a surfboard-sounding nickname. Number three, your category is foreplay. The instrumental song foreplay is a progressive, organ-intensive piece that serves as the prelude to the third track on what band's eponymous 1976 debut album, which featured founder Tom Schultz on pretty much every instrument. Number four, the category things that are blank. The style of poetry known as blank verse has been utilized in legendary English works like Paradise Lost, Ulysses, Dr. Faustus, and Mending Wall. How many syllables make up a typical line of blank verse? And number five, talking fat your category. What was the apropos nickname of the member of the Cosby Kids, popularized by the TV show Fat Albert, who spoke with a signature speech pattern called Ubby Dubby? (laughs) Oh, he finally got a question I know the answer to. Holy (laughs) crap, I'm getting screwed on this round. 
Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. All right, we're going to take a few moments to go over these questions and see if we can come up with some answers. While we do that, we would love for you to uh, help support our show. Uh, as we say it on every episode, uh, our patrons are the lifeblood of our show, and uh, all of their donations greatly help us continue to keep going, especially during this time period uh, where we can have a little bit of extra time to put the shows together and uh, be some sort of escape uh, for everything that's going on. But um, our big uh, contribution is extra content. So we have over 35 extra bonus episodes you can listen to, uh, some funny, some ridiculous, some even more ridiculous than that, uh, along with other perks and things that you can get at the different levels uh, of patronage. So if you'd like to join Patreon, please join us at patreon.com com slash triviality podcast uh, and uh look to uh, support the show and uh support us and we'd very much appreciate it all right uh jason uh we'd love to hear those questions one more time and we will give our answers all right let's start it off with uh number one category trivial warfare what sultanate now part of a modern day country that partially bears its name is forever known to trivia nerds as the losers of the shortest recorded war in all of human history for comparison's sake, this podcast episode is longer than that entire war was. Uh, you guys both had 20 points on the line for this, and that is the recurring theme. So uh, let's start with the triviality, guys. What sultanate did you come up with? Yeah, so I feel like I just heard this somewhere, but it could not place where I heard it or what the answers were. So uh, Neil said um, Brunei has a sultan, so we said Brunei. I didn't know. Part of me wanted to go Agrabah, uh, but, <laughs> but I locked into the part about 
this being a sultanate that's a shorter part of a current country's name. And so I was looking for things that could be included in another country's name. And I locked in with Bosnia. Oh, decent guesses for both of you. But uh, unfortunately, neither of you were able to pick up the shortest recorded war in history, lasting roughly 38 minutes by most accounts, happened in the 19th century. It was the Anglo-Zanzibar War. Wow. Zanzibar now, of course, part of the uh, modern nation of Tanzania, along Mm. with the former territory of Tanganyika. (laughs) All right. Auspicious start. Category number two, Blitz. The Blitz was portrayed on How I Met Your Mother by actor Jorge Garcia, who's better known for playing Jerry Ortega on Hawaii Five-0, as well as Hugo Reyes on what TV series that ran from 2004 to 2010? You may not know the character as Hugo, but rather by a surfboard-sounding nickname. Uh, Jonathan, what show are we talking about? So there's a couple of things that people know about me, and one of those things is I'm bad at modern TV. And yes, I'm old enough so that 2004 to 2010 (laughs) qualifies as modern TV for me. Um, I had no idea, so I guessed a show that has been a thorn in my side for a while now because it keeps being the right answer to questions I don't know the answer to, and I guessed Psych. All right, and we'll take it over to Triviality. Yeah, uh, this one, uh, I think I only watched the first season in my dorm room, uh, but shout out to uh, Justin Shady, who's friends with uh, Jorge, and uh, that would be Hurley from Lost. Oh, it's... Like, I don't know what it was, but the moment you started talking, I said to myself, it's Lost. (laughs) (laughs) And and yeah, Lost indeed. Nice job. 20 points uh, going to the Triviality guys. Hugo Hurley Reyes on Lost. I think he was on an episode of Psych once. I'm not sure, but that's it's possible. Yep. Uh, Number three, your category was foreplay. The instrumental song foreplay is a progressive organ intensive piece that serves as the prelude to the third track on what band's eponymous 1976 debut album, which featured founder Tom Schultz on pretty much every instrument. So I'm desperately hoping this was a correct guess. Um, Organs was a clue and the word progressive was a clue. I guessed yes. All right. And how about the triviality boys? Yeah, unfortunately for Jonathan, that's going to be a no. Um, but it was uh, Boston. It's Boston. That's the other one I was thinking of. Boston ah! gets you again. You I mean, Boston. I'm literally on my I mean, page. Yes, and Boston right next to it, scratched out. It's been such a long time since we had a Boston question. <laughs> yeah, foreplay is the lead into track three, which is uh, titled foreplay slash long time. <sighs> yeah, I love singing this on rock band. It's a great one. Or Guitar Hero, one or the other. All right. uh, Number four, things that are blank. The style of poetry known as blank verse has been utilized in legendary English works like Paradise Lost, Ulysses, Dr. Faustus, and Mending Wall. How many syllables make up a typical line of blank verse? We'll throw it, I think, to uh, Neil here. Yeah, I I mean, I've read some parts of those um, things, uh, more like uh, more more so adaptations normally, but um, we had no idea. So we kind of just kind of talked it out um, and pretended we were reciting the poem and we just kind of settled on 10. We have no idea. All right, Jonathan, uh, do you feel more confident on your guess? I also had zero idea. Zero. Uh, I guessed 10. Oh, 
Um, well, the fates are in your favor because blank verse, most famously known as the style of verse that Shakespeare wrote in, uh, consists of lines of iambic pentameter for 10 syllables per line. Good job to both of you. Oh, crazy. Mm -hmm. All right. And number five to finish it out category was talking fat. What was the apropos nickname of the member of the Cosby kids popularized by the TV show fat Albert who spoke with a signature speech pattern called a BW. I'm desperately hoping that I got this right and you got this wrong because I think we would be in a tie if that's true. Um, I said mushmouth. Uh, we didn't know. Uh, we said uh, Ubby Dubby is also a language on the kids show Zoom. And uh, we said Zoom. Um, points are going to go to Jonathan on that one. Mushmouth, the lieutenant, uh, as it were, of the Cosby kids behind Fat Albert. What I didn't know going into this question was that Ubby Dubby is an actual like lexical game uh, that various languages play. Uh, you said you think we're currently in a tie, right? I, I think I had a 40 point lead going in. And I lost 40 and they added 40, but then it just changed. I just gained 20 back and they lost 20 back. Doesn't that put us in a tie? Uh, it would if you were, in fact, leading by 40 points going into oh. this round. Oh, you were oh. not, however, oh, which means math. by 20 points, the winner of tonight's game of death is Jonathan. Congratulations. Oh, 220 nice. to 200 <laughs> even. Wow. Good job. Fatality. Wow. I owe it to Mushmouth. <laughs> you really do. It was uh, 20 points to their favor until that final question uh, reversed the order of things. So um, good job to both of you, uh, both Triviality and Jonathan. You guys uh, played a hell of a game. Just as long as that game's not baseball. <laughs> yeah, the difference oh, with the baseball, actually. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. I mean, Ken and I are drummers, but the most tapping was done with Jeff in that round. <laughs> <laughs> you suck <laughs> no great great <laughs> great game jason that was a, a really well-written game and uh fun across the board i'm always happy to be here for you guys that was a great game on my end too you guys are awesome um well you know what let's start with you uh, before we uh we go to jonathan uh, where can people find you you're doing streams every night uh, where can they see the type of content that you're putting out uh, yeah, definitely. So we're on uh, Twitch pretty much seven nights a week. In fact, right after this recording, I'm going to go live on Twitch uh, to find us. Uh, just go to twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage and courage is spelled with the letter K because it was a lot cheaper. Uh, of course, if you need information uh, outside of Twitch, our Facebook page is probably the best place to go. That would be facebook.com slash liquid courage or just send me an email uh, if you ever need me for anything in the trivia space. I am Jason at liquidcourage.com. Yeah, you'll see Jason interacting with a lot of people over at the crop. So if you're not there, uh, facebook.com slash triviality podcast, search for the crop uh, and join us there and you'll see all of Jason's posts. Keep you updated on what he's streaming and when he's streaming them. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, and you can also uh, hit us up over at Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook at Triviality Pod. Uh, and speaking of the crop and uh, of the community, a uh, big thank you to Jonathan Oakes uh, for enriching the trivia community over at Trivia Warfare Army and all the other shows uh, that he produces. But I'll let him talk about that. So, Jonathan, thank you for joining us. We've been trying to do this for a really long time. Um, and uh, where can people find you? And, and we just appreciate you uh, hanging out with us today. Oh, I, I enjoyed the heck out of myself. Yeah, you. so you already said Trivial Warfare Army is the name of our Facebook group. It is 
one of my favorite places online to hang out and, and spend time with people. Uh, trivialwarfare.com is the home base for all of our shows. And you can find links. You can honestly just search. If you search the last name Oaks, believe it or not, O-A-K-E-S in a podcast app, that's probably the best way to find our shows because they're all done by the Oaks Media Group. Uh, so I was, I'd searched trivia today and I was like, nope, my shows don't all come up under trivia anymore. So searching by my last name was the easiest way for me to find all my shows in one place. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you again uh, uh, for being here. We've been planning this for a long time. It was so much fun to have you here. We'll have to do it again, especially after a tight uh, contest like that one. Um, and uh, thank you to Jason. Thank you to Ken, Jeff, and Matt uh, for joining us over this, over Skype. And uh, for myself uh, sitting here um, alone in my own thoughts. <laughs> It'll, it'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> with you in spirit, Neil. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there together. We'll get there together. That's that's right. Six feet apart, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Six feet apart. And, six feet apart, but not in our hearts. So thank you very much to everyone. Uh, and uh, that was Triviality. Uh, you said it start, they started in 1979, 69? 1969, yeah. Nice. Um, okay, so... <laughs> I, <laughs> really? 